women, boys and girls, children of all ages. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from the top of my house, just below the roof, above the second floor, right next to the Long Island Railroad, because I hear the railroad tooting right down the tracks in the attic. Your boy, Tommy D, coming at you from the attic. That song every Friday morning means it is time to shine the light. Hello, Long Island Railroad. It is time to shine the light. I have to yell over the train on the on the nonprofit sector. You know what I say. Unfortunately, I believe that this, well, I say unfortunately, not that I believe it, but I believe that unfortunately the nonprofit sector is overlooked, sometimes unrecognized, and often, as a lot of us in the sector know, underfunded. And my answer to that is this program to amplify the message of nonprofit organizations, to have them come on the show with me, tell their story. And that's what we do every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern. My guest is not in the Eastern time zone, so it's seven o'clock on the West Coast. So we got a little bit last week we're here on Long Island. Now we uh, I did not fly out to the West Coast because, as you know, I'm in the attic. So I'm still here in the attic. (laughs) But my guest uh, it was an early riser for me today, and I'm going to introduce Jennifer in a couple of minutes here. Jennifer Singer's here from Bright Futures for Youth. We have an incredible story to dive into today, but they're all incredible stories. You know that because the nonprofit sector, as I say all the time, is changing lives, adding value, and making an impact. Not every day, but every second of every minute of every hour of every day. It's critical. The nonprofit sector changes our lives, and without it, I don't know how a lot of things would get done and accomplished. And we'll speak to a lot of that today. I know we will. But I want to really get kind of, uh, I had the soapbox out last week and I was standing on it for a while. So I, I left it up here in the attic. So let me just tell you what I'm thinking and what's in my head. I call myself the nonprofit sector connector, right? I was always a connector. I remember when I was a kid, like a, a young sales guy, I didn't really call it networking. I didn't call it connecting. I said, Well, Mary does that and John does that. The three of us should sit at a table and figure out how to work together and help each other out. And then years later, I found that that was actually networking. I just thought it was, I don't know, common sense. I just thought it kind of made sense to me. So why am I bringing this up right now? Well, when I had this vision about what this program, Philanthropy and Focus, was going to be about, I hadn't looked at it as an an international program or or a national program for that matter. I really figured I'd interview nonprofit leaders from organizations on Long Island and, and in New York. And I probably have to change some of the copy out there because some of this says Tommy D interviews uh, people from Long Island and New York, and that just isn't accurate anymore. So how do I end up connecting with people around the country? Well, Michael Goldberg, my buddy, friend, mentor, and, and my partner in crime, so to speak, on this project we call TNG, the networking group, which is a national networking organization growing across the country. Well, we work on that project and together, and we have now connections across the country. So my friend, shout out Coach Mach, Mach and McDonald, made, made this connection to Jennifer Singer and her team at Bright Futures for Youth. Uh, Machen is a, a board member, I believe, Jennifer, if that's, if that's right. So we'll talk about it, Mach in a second. But I don't get to connect with people if there's not relationships that are built and established. So what I'm challenging everybody with is, Right back to Michael Goldberg again, networking, it's in, and this is me saying, it's not about prospecting, it's not about selling, it's about two things, it's about learning and helping, and helping and learning, and that's it. And I go out and I preach those words all the time because I think it's critical and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So that aligns real well with me because I like to learn and I love helping people, so that goes real well. But that's networking, it's not about selling and prospecting, those are separate disciplines, but this is not a show about sales, we'll talk about that on some other show. 
So thanks, Machen. Thanks, Michael, for getting me connected to Machen. And uh, what's let me let me just kind of start the show this way now. I'm going to read Jennifer Singer's bio, quick bio, right off of the website for Bright Futures for Youth. And then that's it. We're, we are in the game, and we will be getting started, and I will just stop with my preaching and soapboxing. Here we go. Jennifer helped co-found the Friendship Club in 1995 and became the executive director in 2004. The Friendship Club merged with NEO, or NEO, New Events and Opportunities, in September of 2020 and was renamed Bright Futures for Youth. Jennifer is a certified fundraising executive, which I hope we get into that today because that's a very interesting designation that I want to learn more about, being somebody who I end up, I, I see myself ending up in a development role somewhere. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I got a pretty... I got a big mouth. I talk to a lot of people. I'm not a bad guy to have on your team. So maybe someday somebody would want to bring me on from a development perspective. Uh, so we'll talk about CFRE, but Jennifer is a Nevada County Relief Fund Community Advisor Committee ex officio member and serves on the board of the Continuum of Care. She served as founding board president for Sierra Harvest and is a board chair of the Center for Nonprofit Leadership. I'm sure, we're going to get into that too. Jennifer serves as a Nevada City School District Board Trustee, is a graduate of Nevada County Leadership Institute and the county's Citizens Academy as well. She is a Gallup Clifton Strengths coach, focusing on building better teams, and she was raised in Nevada County. She received a degree in communication from the University of Colorado at Boulder and studied nonprofit administration in a master's degree program at the University of San Francisco. We're actually launching a, a new chapter of TNG, the networking group out in San Francisco. I didn't know I'd be promoting that today, but it just came to me. So, Jennifer, come off mute, join the show, join me in the attic. Welcome. Thank you so much. Excited to be here this morning. Thanks for getting me up early. Remember what that was like. <laughs> I'm glad you got I'm up happy early. to be here. I mean, I might have to start doing the show at noon and six o'clock at night. If I had the more I, move, more I move about the country and the planet, I might have to do just that. But we'll see. I'm so excited. We we spoke a couple months back and and um you know, when Major made this introduction and I was touched by the mission of the organization. I want to know because I always ask my guests. Was there something that drew you to nonprofit? I mean, I understand, you know, the story and, and how early on in life you were involved with this organization. But even before that, was there something that drew you to nonprofit? Well, I, I don't think I was drawn to nonprofit per se. I was drawn to the program and the mission that I was involved in. And so, um, you know, this goes back to high school, though. So I started going into to leadership camps, you know, by the time I was 13 and 14. And so I kind of had that um, service leadership background as I was kind of making my way in the world. And, um, in high school, I started volunteering for what was called at the time, the PAL program. And that matched little ones K through sixth grade who were struggling in school or at home with high school juniors and seniors. And so that was an opportunity to go and visit with a little PAL once a week, spend some time, do some homework, play some games, and really just kind of be a source of inspiration to them to say, hey, you know, I'm going to college or these are cool things I'm doing and looking forward to. So that was really my first introduction to the reality that not everyone in my community had the same opportunities I did, that um, I had grown up, you know, fairly privileged and had a great life and great family and parents and mentors around and people who took care of me. And, um, and that, that just wasn't the case for, for all the kids in my community. So that was really my first um, touch point with that. I made it my senior project. Um, 
And it was really important to me, but I was also like out of, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm graduating high school later, Nevada city, little tiny town in California. And, and where, I, where are you right now? Nevada city. And I'm, well, yeah, <laughs> that's how it works, but you have to leave. You have to hate it and leave. Right. I, I get it. Um, so I went to university of Colorado. I know some of my Boulder girls are listening right now because they're Shout East Boulder. right on. But yeah, I went out to the, to the university of Colorado, um, kind of went in with the idea of being a psych major, but quickly realized that wasn't my, my uh, path and uh, became a communication major. And that was a wonderful experience. I continued to volunteer in college and, and that sort of thing, but I didn't really have a clear path to where, you know, where, what was going to be my, my world after. Um, now, when I was home, though, I was invited by the PAL director to kind of help her with this idea she had. And that program ended in the sixth grade. So the seventh grade and eighth grade girls that she had ex- met along the way were sort of, you know, like, where are you? I need you. <laughs> I want to talk. So, so they got to a certain point and then it was like, what, well, what's next? Yeah, the- they aged right. out essentially of that program. And so she really started to see they were asking for it. Um, that these girls in particular wanted more connection. They, they had challenging uh, backgrounds. Nothing was getting easier, certainly in their life. And so she felt that there was really a need to pull these young women together, um, giving, a, giving them a positive peer support group, an opportunity to connect and learn, you know, learn how to make good choices, um, set goals for their future. Um, many of the girls in the program, you know, they were coming from generational poverty, there was drug addiction in the home, uh, single parent, low economic um, realities. And so uh, many of them had brothers and sisters who had gotten involved in drugs and alcohol or become pregnant as teenagers. And so it was really about wrapping around those girls and showing them that there's other ways, there's other ways to communicate with each other, there's other choices you can make, and that this is a small town and there's a bigger world, way bigger world out there that we wanted them to consider um, exploring. So I, I did that on my summer's home. And then let's see, I went on a semester at sea when I was a junior in college. Semester at sea. Yeah. Tell us about that. So semester at sea is an awesome program. Um, you, you live on a ship for three months and you sail around the world and you, we went to like 10 different countries. You take classes on board the ship while you're at sea, and then you go into the countries for three to, three to five days. You get to take field trips and just have fun and explore and travel. And it's, I mean, it's an incredible experience, obviously. That's um, awesome. I'm, I'm like, I want to know if I can see the two things are coming up for me right now with this. Yeah. I need a whole bunch of Dramamine because I'm getting a little, I get a little yeah. shaky a just, little just thinking about it. <laughs> And, uh, and the second thing is like, wow, can I do that now? Like, I mean, I'll get the drama me, but what a fun, like, I mean, I'm a, maybe I'm an old man relative to some of the people in that semester at sea, but that's, tell us about that story. That's a trip, man. Well, the beauty of semester at sea, the program is really designed to create a community on board the ship. So you might be in luck. I don't know, Tommy, but, uh, so we had uh, obviously lots and lots of college students, but somewhere someone figured out along the way, that was not a great idea to yeah, put a bunch of young students. people like on a boat, like on the ship and just like, let them figure it out. Yeah, yeah. no. So yeah. they, so you have your college, you have your college professors, you have their families often. So you have little ones oh, wow. uh, and teenagers, and then they had senior passengers 
you're probably not there yet, Tommy, but <laughs> maybe that's your path. Um, they would have senior passengers. And so it really did create a, um, a community, which, which was, uh, which was valuable. So you could check in with, you know, an older grandpa type, um, and that. not just be around 20 year olds all the time, which was fun too, let's be honest. Um, yeah. but, but during that trip, obviously we went to India, we went to Africa, we saw great poverty, we saw, um, you know, great beauty, um, and so on the way home, you, you, you leave Japan and you sail to Seattle and it takes a very long time <laughs> and you're losing time like every day. <laughs> That's also when you need your drama. I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, but it's the time to kind of reflect, right? So we're all like absorbing what had happened and all the experiences we'd had and all the things we had seen, which obviously were very different for most of us. And um, at that time, people were like, I'm going to go back to Brazil. You know, I'm going to go back to India and give back. I'm going to go back to Africa and work with the children. And, you know, for me, it was like, I'm going home. That's where these kids are and they need. You don't need to go so far. We don't, don't need, need to go so far. Right. right? You got to go and, a couple blocks, a couple miles. And there's people who, who have the need. We don't have to go to the other side of the earth. Yeah. So that was really kind of, it sort of, it came to me that that's, that was a path I wanted to do to to follow, maybe not forever. That wasn't my intention, but that um, after high school or after college, I wanted to go back home and um, and and really see where this friendship club kind of um, idea was going to go. I think this is a perfect spot to to give my folks a quick break because we're going to come back now. We've got a teaser, a little bit of cliffhanger. So we're coming back, coming back to Nevada City, and what's going to happen next? So we will do that. Two minutes, gang. We'll be right back. It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from the top of the house, the attic, all that stuff. Jennifer Singer's here from the West Coast, Bright Futures for Youth. We'll be back in about a minute and a half, two minutes. See you guys soon. Thanks. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. 
Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. I can't hear that song without chuckling and laughing every single time. And I wonder when people hear it for the first time, if they're expecting when they hear static, that attic is coming up right after it. So I have a lot of fun with that song. Uh, it's, it's your buddy, Tommy D. Let me tell you who I am, but you're listening to the show, so you know that. Join me in the attic every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, we were just talking about, we were finishing the story about semester at sea and how that then really led to Jennifer Singer's co-founding of the organization uh, formerly known as the Friendship Club. So Jennifer's here with me in the attic. Jennifer, let's take it where, just where we left off. So you're coming back. Some people are having this epiphany. I'm going to go change the world in Brazil. I'm going to go change the world in, in somewhere in Africa, in a country of need. And you said, I'm going to take this back home. Right. I felt that I had the best opportunity for impact right here in my hometown. There was already a program, an opportunity. I'd met these girls. I had known some of them since they were you know, eight years old. And I wanted to make a difference in their lives. So I came back um, again with the intention of sort of, you know, I wanted to do at some point the Peace Corps, right? But I'm like, I can't make clean water and that's it. That's all they wanted at the time. So um, I felt like, okay, I'm going back town, back home for my two years. This will be my kind of mini Peace Corps and I'll figure it out. Um, but I came back and we started going and uh, we were doing summer programs at the time. And we realized our girls needed much more than that. And we, we started to kind of work toward the, the, the nonprofit year round school based, um, well, community based, but a school year program. And so we did, we worked with, uh, we worked with young women all through the school year, bringing them to us monthly. We did field trips. We took them on summer camps. We provided them mentorship and tutoring and academic support. And it really was every time we, we learned more of a, a girl's need. And as they aged with us, because we started with junior high, then, you know, we would shift and evolve into more programs. And so it became that sort of part-time work. Um, easily into full-time work pretty quickly and just growing the organization. I mean, it is the kitchen's the kitchen table story. I mean, we were there at my, at the founder was Mary Collier. Uh, she was uh, committed to this work and brought me and another woman along Amanda Chavez, who was a couple years younger than me in school and brought us in to, to kind of be her young leaders at the time uh, to work with the kids. So, um, you know, grew that program over, over 25 years, uh, working with girls, always a fairly small group of girls. Uh, we, we reached about a hundred annual um, but the idea is it's a long-term program. So they join as they're entering the sixth grade and then typically stay through 12th grade. And so it was really, again, long-term, holistic, 
um, everything from health and wellness, goal setting, self-awareness, um, community connections, healthy relationships. I mean, these were the core core things we wanted to teach them um, to make sure that they they had every opportunity to be successful after high school and make sure they had those plans in place after high school. So over, you know, different locations and adding in programs. Um, and a few years ago, we, we had to move uh, from our current location very quickly. It was all kind of like, oh, something else is coming in and we have to leave. It was actually a cannabis. We couldn't be around. <laughs> we couldn't be around that, right? So that might, that might be the wrong. You're, you're trying to help girls not follow the. No, you yeah, know, we no, couldn't be in the same building as cannabis production. Right. Um, no, no, <laughs> ju- no judgment. And and it's funny. Nope. I was I was going to say my buddy Steve Fry has the show coming on right after my show. He's actually interviewing another colleague of ours, Steve Trimbley, who is an employment attorney. This is today, gang, right after the show. So stay tuned about this new thing. You know, the green wave is here. It's coming. It's growing across the country. Certainly in, in your part of the country, it's been going on, you know, a lot longer than it has been on in the Northeast here. But it, it's uh, there's a lot of challenges just as an aside here. There's a lot of challenges for employers now what, with with now cannabis being legal, whether it be rec or medical first and now recreational in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Employers are in a, in a bind, you know, so that's another I'm plugging Steve's show. So stay tuned, gang. Listen to Steve Fry and, and Steve Trimley uncover and unpack that whole situation but you guys have to move the cannabis companies coming in not good for you to stick around so it so just wasn't happened? the greatest fit for us and, right. and then plus you know we were kind of outgrowing our space and had new ideas so we moved a couple of years ago and that actually you know if you think about perspective and change and sometimes that can be scary for people but you know i love change so for me it was like as soon as we knew we had to do it we just made it happen and then being in that new location just kind of opened our eyes to different possibilities, you know, and, and so we had been in our current, our location for like 12 years, and I didn't see a path to growth or a vision for change. I'd also had three kids, I was tired, but um, <laughs> when we got over there, you know, opportunities just kept coming up, all, these, uh, all of a sudden, you know, we had space where we could build a commercial kitchen, so we could really get more into the... How, what was uh, the size of, what did you have to what did you go to, so we can... We went from about 4,000 square feet to currently we're in over 8,000. Okay, so it's a yeah. double, So, but, but now you have all this community space, right? Yep. And, and so we built our commercial kitchen and we started seeing the visions for that. And then at that time, um, a community member came to me because I, they knew we had this history of working with these young women and had a success, you know, success rate. Our girls go on to college. They feel good about themselves. They're getting great jobs. They're returning to the community. And he was really seeing a need for the support of homeless youth. Um, he had been a CASA volunteer. He had uh, worked his big brother for a while. His his uh, big his little brother had gone to jail and was on probation at some time, and he really saw this gap in service for um, young people experiencing homelessness. And so he asked if we would consider a pilot program to support those youth. And it didn't take long for us to say yes because along the all along the way in those 25 years, many times we would have kids who would come in and out of homelessness with their families or uh, families who were living in tents and therefore the kids couldn't live in the tents. I mean, we're in a very rural community. So, 
you know, you're living in the tent 30 minutes outside of where you go to school. You can imagine, you know, often not getting to school, uh, not having that transportation. Yeah, obviously the the food insecurity that goes along with that. All of it. And so there had been times along the way that I had asked a board member to take in a kid for a a short period of time or or even a long period of time. Uh, So this was not. Talk about commitment, though, you know, for a board member, you you know, that's just incredible. Yeah. So we had had that experience. We knew there was a challenge and we wanted to be part of a solution. And I will say that both the Friendship Club and then what we what we piloted is what we call the SAFE program, Stability Access Foundation Empowerment for those homeless youth and NEO. Also, all of those programs really were in response to a gap and a need that we saw in our community um, or different people saw in in the community. And, And so when we came Together, um, we started this process in spring of 2020. <laughs> we started really seriously talking about it, and then the pandemic hit. Perfect timing. Was, perfect timing. Perfect timing. To like, what are we going to do with ourselves? <laughs> um, and so it was. It was kind of scary at first because all of you know both organizations, Neo and Friendship Club. I mean, our whole purpose. <laughs> is to be with the kids and we couldn't do that. And you so can't we were, be with anybody, right? So yeah, I, 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 this is, this is very, very, again, you, I don't need to tell you this or, or most of my listeners, but this is very common. It's common for us as a society, what's gone on the last year at that we wait, all of our programs are like social, like get together, especially in the, in the IDD space. But even, you know, some of what we're talking about, you know, um, uh, best buddies, international friends of mine, Sophie dubuisson has been on the show and, and uh, best buddies had, has, you know, had to, we all say this word pivot, but how to do certain things to, to make, you know, to connect with folks virtually and girls Inc. My friend, Renee Flagler, girls Inc. of Long Island, Renee was on the show a couple of weeks back and, and it's the same thing. You have school-based programs, but there's no school, <laughs> you know, you have like all these. So super challenging. Um, how did you guys come around from that? How did you come around the bend with, mm-hmm. we have these social programs. What do we do? Right. So in the spring, we both programs that were still separate at the time, Neo and the Friendship Club, we both did as best we could to pivot into a virtual offerings. Um, And they were okay, you know, attended. But again, in our rural community, you have lack of broadband, internet's not great. And so um, you had just that added barrier. Everything in school was wonky. We also have like nine school districts in our community, which is ridiculous for such a small town. So every school district was kind of doing something different. So it was really kind of chaotic for the kids. Um, so we pivoted to doing our best to maintain uh, individual contact with phone calls. We did virtual meetings. We started um we had so many people again who were food insecure, who were scared to come out and and go to the food bank and stuff like that. So we were um, making food bags and having food pickups, and uh, because we had a food pantry um, that you know we're usually cooking food for kids every day, and what were we doing with it? So we were kind of repurposing that. So we sort of went into basic basic needs mode. Uh, the program team did, and then the administration team kind of launched into this talk about merging. It was mm. like okay, here we have this quieter time. We can, we can think about it. We had like 10,000 um, Zoom meetings, but we, we came together as a group and really identified um, why would we come together? What are our shared values? Um, 
what at the end of the day do we really, we all want the same thing for kids. We just had different models. Uh, Neo being more of a drop-in after school, all kids are welcome, a big focus on music and art. Friendship Club being more referral-based uh, through teachers and counselors and kind of identified kids who really um, uh, needed that extra support. And so coming together um, gives us an opportunity to serve more youth in our community. The needs of our community are changing in t- incredibly. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was growing up here, you know, we probably had 5% of kids on free and reduced lunch, right? That's a poverty 5%. indicator, 5%. I mean, our community's in some pockets, we're at 60% right now. So the need has really changed. And I think for anyone running an organization, you know, it's so hard. It's day to day. You're trying to figure it out, you're trying to raise the money, you're trying to get the grants, you're hustling. Um, and it, you can kind of become so focused in on your organization and success, which is important. Uh-huh. And you have to kind of like, as my friend Kay Sprinkle Gray says, you have to look out the window, not in the mirror. And what does your community need? What is, what's the need? What is the, what are they asking for? How do you need to pivot to be relevant to support what you're, what you're doing and not just organizational building. And so that was kind of that time to come together and put the egos aside. And we were all founders and we all thought our programs were amazing and they all are, but what do we need to do for our community? And I guess we're going to take a quick break, everybody, but like how, how can, you know, what I say a lot on the program here and a lot in my, the rest of my life outside of the show is, and my buddy Tom Gretsch from Queens Chambers, shout out to Tom, was on the show a few weeks ago and he's big on this and we probably arm wrestle who really says this more, but, you know, two plus two, you know, in regular math is four, but right. in networking math or some sort of collaborative math, it's way higher than that. So I love what you're saying about it when everybody can sort of, what's best for the society, what's best for the people we're trying to serve, let's kind of lay down the egos as best as possible, which isn't always easy. I, I mean, but it's, it's what has to happen. And now you're, I'm assuming the organization now is much better for it by, by leveraging everybody. So when we come back, actually, we didn't, hadn't planned this, but I'm going to ask you, we'll talk about this when we come back, because speaking just from a merger perspective like that, and I know there's a lot of organizations that are going through this or courting others to do, to, to make a merger, or it, it may be, acquisition, whatever the terminology would be, some sort of alliance of permanence. Um, I'd love to hear maybe three or four tips that when we come back, that organizations should consider in doing that when they're looking at a, a suitor and what and whatnot. So th- that is my long way of saying we're going to a break, gang. It's Tommy D in the attic. Jennifer Singers here, Bright Futures for Youth. We'll be back in just about two minutes. I'll see you soon. Bye. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Cut through all the static. Join your boy, Tommy, the nonprofit sector. Can I just put me in the attic every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, where we amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. It's what I like to focus on, P-H-O-C-U-S, every week. And it's really what I focus on throughout my days uh, in making connections. Jennifer Singer's here. Bright Futures for Youth, formerly the Friendship Club, merged with N-E-O. And now Bright Futures for Youth is the combined organization. So we were just talking about that right before the break. And I, I, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a bit, but I don't think it's that big a deal because this is what you just went through. Uh, organizations now, and this isn't anything new, but as as funding sources change and, and as there's a, a redundancy in programs from organizations that do very similar things in the same geographic area, it almost makes sense. And we see this in the, in the for-profit side often where this just economies of scale, let's get together and do this together. It just makes more sense. Um, that's what you guys went through. Tell me about that. And let's share with the people who plug into the program, because some of my listeners are prospective donors for organizations. Some of my listeners are prospective board members for organizations. Many of my friends are nonprofit leaders. So Let's talk about that. How what, what should people consider when they're when they're going through a potential merger? Well, I think the the important things, the I mean, the most important things are values alignment, right? So you have to be, if you're really thinking about going into a merger or, you know, like you said, acquisition, whatever you want to call it, coming together, you need to make sure your values are in alignment. And and if they're not, that's just probably gonna be a disaster down the way. And then closely with that is culture. What's the culture of the organization? And and often that can, that's kind of where it gets hung up. So, uh, you know, maybe you have a, a more of a grassroots organization. They're sort of used to doing things a little more informally. Maybe they haven't fully professionalized all their systems or programs. Uh, their board might function as a very um, hands-on board doing the work of the mm-hmm. organization. And, 
and then there's maybe a more mature organization who has more of a governance board, um, who has more um, professional systems in place, who's really had to kind of go through some of that. And so um, bringing those two together can, can be great, but it can be, um, there can be a culture shift there or, or things like that. So those are, those are two really important things to think about. Um, the organizational structure, you know, how are we agreeing who's going to be the executive director? What are the new staff roles or positions? Um, are staff leaving the organization or do, do some staff not like the fact that this is happening and they choose to leave the organization? So, you know, being really clear on on how that structure is going to work, both from the staff and the board perspective. Um, I would highly recommend having someone guide you through this process. And so I mentioned Kay Sprinkle Grace, who has been a mentor to me. She's a nonprofit fundraising guru in, in the world. Anyone in nonprofit probably knows Kay. I uh, met Kay through Mage, through our friend Machen, you know, yeah. a number of months back. And we had an incredible conversation as life would have it. And, and yeah. you know, as we traverse through life, we disconnected. And although not not on purpose. I said to you in the chat while we were at a break, I'd love to reconnect with her. And I'll put it out there because you just said it. We should, the three of us should do a show together. And, you know, I said, Y-E-S, capital letters, like, let's do it. And the fun about being me is we can just do it. Let's just do the show. Like, I go like this at all the time. I go, Jennifer, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Like, I'm like a little boy. Like, yay, Tommy. I can do, it. I <laughs> I can do whatever it. I want. So, so I'd love to do that. So having Kay kind of on your team, in your sphere, talk about that. Yeah, she, she was able to help keep us centered. She was such a professional. I mean, everyone respected her going into it. We had a mix. We had about 19 people actually on our merge team, which was quite a lot, but people were excited and <laughs> no one had anything else to do. So we were all like, hey, <laughs> we're this, this is what, what, what's the time period? It's like September-ish? Yeah, of, I mean, we, no, this was May. I mean, well, we May were, of 20. Oh, so it's just the world the shut down in March. Everybody's home, home, and home. We're right? home and what else are we doing? And Kay's based in San Francisco, but we're zooming anyway. So, I mean, I would, unless I flew her up, you know, or like had her stay with us for months, um, that probably just wouldn't have been possible or it would have looked really different. So we were able to do things fairly quickly. Um, we jumped into about five different committees that kind of explored um, the different aspects of the organization. What was our governance? How, do, how were they different and how would they come together? What were our, our, our programs? Let's make sure we're in alignment with our programs enough that we could be leveraging each other um, to your point, we had heard a lot, you know, aren't you the same thing? And why are you doing that? So we had heard a lot of that. So we knew the leading, leading up to this, Jennifer, leading up to it, you'd heard. Yeah, leading up, you know, aren't you the same? No, we're not the same. And we not we never were the same. But to right. your point, it was similar enough, especially from an outsider that there was confusion or um, maybe they would gravitate toward Neo because it was boys and girls and we were just serving girls. So there was a little, there was always that kind of tension in the back. And so um, it was clear the community, again, the community was ready for potentially for this. And so we, we were just kind of reading the reading the world and knowing that this was the time that we could we could do a better together. Neo also was a very small organization. You know, you have two young women, 19 years old when they founded Neo. They have been busting their butts for, you know, over, you know, almost 14 years, just doing the work, seeing that 
kids needed a safe place to be, not having a lot of other support to make that happen. So they really made it happen. So I was grinding really it out. I freaking yeah. love that. Grind, <laughs> they man. were amazing. And what yeah. they, you know, once we kind of, we merged and we started learning about all the things we were doing, I'm like, girls, you are tired. You must be tired. <laughs> You're trying to be the executive director, the business director, the program director, you know, raise the money work with the board and, you know, you're two humans. And, and so I think for, for that organization, it made sense. We had a, we just had a bigger infrastructure. We had a development team. We had, you know, an HR <laughs> situation. We had. That's um, a big word though. Infrastructure. You actually had that where, you, you know, like in anything, I think when you start to go from, you know, what got us here He's not going to get us to that next level. And this is business. This is life as an individual developing, and it's certainly organization. So, so it's not a slight. They, they, what you're saying, they did an incredible job. But how do we get you? Let's let's advance the ball down the field, right? Let's let you focus on programs, focus on the kids. That's where your your heart is and your strengths are. And then uh, and let us kind of take on this admin fundraising mm-hmm. piece. Now that said, one of them went into program director kind of for Neo and c- continues to do that. And one of them who had been more on the business and executive director type side um, did join the development team right now um, and is and is, you know, contributing greatly to to that side of things. Also because her role is um event coordinator and we can't do any kid events right now. So um, she'll shift back into that program as well. But, um, but that was really, those were, you know, values, culture, probably culture is the number one. If you, you know, if you, if you can't respect each other's way and learn how to compromise with that, that's probably where, you know, it can get difficult. Um, So those, yeah, my advice have a, have an outside facilitator, someone who can kind of help guide you through that, especially if anything does get tense or, you know, have to work through anything. I mean, we were pretty lucky in that, um, it went very quickly, uh, mm-hmm. probably even quicker than we thought it would. We were starting to meet in May and we figured we'd make a decision whether or not we were going to merge by September. Mm-hmm. And at first everyone's like, oh, that feels so fast, you know, oh my gosh. And honestly, by June, I'm like, you know, everyone's, uh, yes, I don't see, no one's pushing back. Yeah. No one's having major issues. There doesn't seem to be a problem. I think we just need to say, yes, we're going to do this because there's so much work to do if we're going to do it. Right. Just get right. on. How much, I guess this is one of those, how, do we really, how much more analysis do we have to do? Like, you know, yeah. in a lot of, in relationship, this is a relationship and in a relationship, we're going to know or we're not going to know. And right. like, I, I mean, you know, I feel... <laughs> To put this to a romantic relationship when people are younger maybe they stay in a, in a in a relationship longer before they get married when people of a certain age in their 30s or 40s they meet they're married in 10 months right like just what are we doing like we get it I, right? I get it you get it let's just let's like kind of do this thing right yeah so so i just want to i want that's great insight around mergers for people i want to make sure we get more program related here for your organization specifically and even talk about CFRE maybe in development. I don't want to miss our opportunity to do that. So you want to get like get kind of into the trenches on on what the organization is doing. Yeah. So our main mission, right? We're here to ignite the potential of youth today for um, thriving communities tomorrow. And that is not the right mission, but it's very close. It's a it's a new (laughs) one. So you can check us out on bffyouth.org. 
you know, we are here to support youth in our community. Uh, we live in a rural town. There's not a lot. There's no community center. There's no big, you know, boys and girls club. We've never had one of those or anything like that. We've had a big brothers, big sisters program. That was about all we had when the friendship club came along. Neo uh, came along when those young women saw a need for um, a positive place for kids to be so that they didn't, you know, just like, I mean, here everyone goes and parties in the woods and, you know, um, and, and really kind of being aware of that really vulnerable time for teens uh, between three and six uh, when, you know, oh, when three and six in the day, you're saying three and yeah. 6 PM, that's when they're, you know, alone and, and things can go sideways. Mm. Um, so at the end of the day, we are here to help kids, all kids, but most of our kids do uh, really come from a background of trauma. Mm. Um, so, you know, kids who haven't had a really, not a fair shot at the beginning mm-hmm. of life and, and have so many things they're suffering through. Don't have the parental support typically don't have the academic support that they need to be successful. Uh, and so, you know, the, the earlier that starts to happen, the earlier you start to give up. And, and so really giving kids an opportunity to have exciting experiences, um, skill building, field trips in and out of our community. Again, seeing what the wider world can offer because we do live in such an isolated kind of small area where there is generational poverty and drug addiction. We have a growing homeless problem. There's um, housing is extremely high jobs, not a lot of high paying jobs. And so uh, it can be a place where people can kind of get stuck. Um, Mm And we wanted to give everyone a better opportunity to, to make a difference and be what they want to be. Um, so that's kind of at the core of what we do. Um, and that's in conjunction with after school programs, intensive mentoring and in counseling now. So the increasing uh, needs of mental health. Mm-hmm. I mean, COVID only exacerbated and highlighted. It certainly was there before. There's no doubt about that. We were having more and more girls um, needing and uh, wanting mental health services. And again, in our community, um, that was hard to come by. Sometimes uh, there were few therapists who would take Medi-Cal, for example. Um, But also then, even if you could get the appointment, the families weren't following through with getting them there. And so as an organization, we took on more and more responsibility to make sure they were getting to those appointments. And we created a therapy room on site so we could have counselors coming directly to us. And so again, just seeing those needs, Neo, the kids that were coming to their after-school program, more and more needs, you know, mental health needs, depression, anxiety. And again, you have two young women who are, and and teen leaders who are trying to manage that. And, you know, it's just too much. You can't. It's too much. It's, it's too much. much. And, and we're going to take a quick break and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll draw to some, some closure on this, but I I will say, I, you know, I'm very, um, I don't want to say any bad words, but I'm very cranky about the mental health issues on this planet. And not the fact that there are mental health issues. You know what I'm upset about, everybody. It's ending this stigma around this. If I break my arm, I go to the urgent center. If I'm having a mental health issue, I can't, uh, you know, it's like there's a stigma. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it in families. And there's another program here on the network that focuses on, on, uh, on mental health and we, we we need to work that out. We need to fix that. You know, I'm 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 big on that. Everybody who listens to the show regularly, so we'll, you know, I, I need to get out in front of that more and, and have those conversations. But Jennifer, we went a little long in this segment. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I want to talk about just the where where does the organization go forward, 
and who are you looking to meet and connect and collaborate with? That's what we'll talk about when we come back. It's Tommy D in the Attic, Nonprofit Sector Connect, the plans being focused. We'll be back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's right, today. Jennifer Singer is joining me in the attic. I'm going to read this really quick. This is off the, the organization's website. Bright Futures for Youth is a community-focused nonprofit organization committed to addressing the ever-changing needs of youth from sixth graders to those in their mid-20s in Nevada County. Teens and adolescents face many challenges and many changes as part of growing up. And they need a little bit of extra help, a little bit of tools, little resources. And that's what this organization is, is doing. And that's how this organization is making an impact. I said it at the front of the show. I just want to thank my buddy, Major McDonald, for making this connection for me. It's all about the connections. Thanks for making this connection to Jennifer. Jennifer, let's bring it home for everybody. Let's talk. Where's the organization go from here? Growth-wise, who do you want to meet? I'm the nonprofit sector connector guy. That's what I do. So who can we connect you with? Who should Who should connect with you? Well, I mean, the first next step is building or renovating a youth center. So the the Neo Youth Center, um, when the pandemic hit, they kind of closed down their current, which was too small location. And we we actually opened what's called the distance learning hub over the summer. Um, our fairgrounds was sitting empty and was really struggling. We had kids who didn't have internet access. And we had a, an after-school program that didn't have a home. And so in partnership with our local fairgrounds and our county 
and us, uh, we created uh, the distance learning center where kids could access reliable internet for distance learning. And then in the afternoon, we could transition all the NEO um, after school activities. And so uh, we do need a permanent home for them. So we will be uh, renovating uh, soon, hopefully a uh, youth center. On that youth center campus all, also will eventually be um, an emergency shelter for homeless youth. So this is an opportunity. There is nowhere for a 16 year old who is on, has nowhere to go. There is no official shelter for them to be in. So that again, huge um, gap in our community that we would like to help fill. Um, and there is space where we're looking to create that. Um, what are you, let me just interrupt you because you're obviously talking about funding and financing. So that sounds like a big project. So what is that, is there a capital campaign? So um, I've developed a really fantastic relationship with a private funder. Uh, they helped us start and build our kitchen. And we have been in conversation since that experience um, about this growth and this merger and opportunities. So um, we are working right now to define the dollars that are going to be necessary. We're going through a whole process with that. Um, the local high school district has a school site that is not in use. And so um, they're kind of coming forward with the site and some of the improvements that they'll put into the site. And then we will put in the, the improvements that will make it right for us. Um, so that's a really great partnership. The high school district, especially um, in the last couple of years, has been extremely um, important to partner with and have really taken, uh, taken a lead on that. Um, for our organization, when I think about kind of longer term um, yes, it is funding because there are more and more kids. I mean, we are feeding them. We are doing all the fun, doing all the field trips. There's no cost to students to attend. Um, it's really uh, about creating no barriers for participation. Um, a piece of that also, though, is for our, our youth experiencing homelessness or even just our young people, as soon as they graduate high school, our community housing situation is, is terrible. And I don't think that's new. I mean, a lot of communities are facing this challenge. Um, but there's really, you know, where's an 18 year old going to live while they're trying to go to school and work? Uh, you know, it's, it's virtually impossible. So we're really trying to, trying to do our best to collaborate and have creative solutions around youth housing. Um, it might have to be, you know, the granny units and the apartments above the garages. I mean, those are all viable things. It would be fantastic for them to have, you know, you know, we have a community college in our town, but we don't have any dorms. I mean, they just need dorms. Yeah. <laughs> so getting creative around housing, I think, is kind of one of our biggest challenges. Not that I think we have to take that on all by ourselves. No, but it, it must be some other. It's there's something to collaborate with. There's other organizations locally that may be able to handle the heavy lift there, right? Okay. Yeah. And some of, and again, when it comes down to funding, remember when you're seeing gaps and you're seeing things that society hasn't completely wrapped around fixing, there's no government money for that. There's no stream for that. So for as an example, and this is in no way to suggest that, you know, aging out of foster programs are all figured out. There, there's a whole dilemma around aging out of the foster care system. If you do grad, you know, if you do age out though, at the right time, you do have access to funds. There are, mm -hmm. you know, there are funds that can help you uh, transition it, uh, into housing and supports and things like that. There is nothing for any unaccompanied minor youth who's kind of in that, I'm a couch surfer, you know, I've left yeah. my home. I'm not with my family at all. I'm completely out on my own. I'm at my friend's one night. I'm at my grandma's the next night. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow night. 
and these kids are trying to find or make their way and, after and they their house because of the trauma. Right. I was going to say, they're not leaving. They're not leaving because, you know, mom and dad didn't buy them brand new sneakers they wanted. They're leaving because these are situations they got to get the heck out of. So, yeah, violence, you know, so no drugs, there's right. uh, people right. coming in and out of the home. They may be homeless with their family. Um, 50% of chronically homeless people were homeless youth. So if you want to stem the tide of homelessness and chronic homelessness, you have to get ahead of that and get those kids when they're 15 and 16 and they're just trying to find their way. And they haven't, I mean, they have been traumatized likely, but they haven't been living on the streets yet or have that trauma. Um, And so, you know, these kids are just extremely vulnerable. They could disappear at any moment. These are the kids that go, that get sucked into trafficking um, and, and, you know, just never even have a chance. I mean, when we're meeting kids, some of them don't have their social security card or an ID, you know, so how do you you have the basics to get a job Right. without that? I can't go anywhere. So the support that you're bringing in, if I don't have these things, I can't even go get a job. I can't even go get, you know, an apartment. What, even if I had money in my pocket, there's no, who am I? I I hate to, I hate to ever end the conversation, which is part of my challenge. My biggest (laughs) challenge in life. In fact, everybody who knows me, a friend of mine, I used to say, let me make a long story short. And my friend would say to me, Tommy D, you couldn't make a long story short if you wanted to make a long story short. And I haven't said that in a while. Mike, if you're listening, hey. All right. So how did Jennifer just tell me quickly, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, BFFyouth.org is our website and all of our contact information is there. And um, we have a community update last night. So next week we will post that. It's about an hour, hour and a half, but it's really informative. Got kids speakers, have um, uh, kind of professionals in the community all talking about the, the benefits of this program. I don't think anything I'm saying is, you know, rocket science to anyone listening, but what to your point, it, the reality is these programs are underfunded. They're under Utilized, they're under thought of. Uh, prevention is a really hard one for government dollars. You, to get prevention dollars is kind of impossible. Yep. Um, and that's why private fundraising, private foundations, people who really get that and can give you those dollars um, will never not fundraise because private dollars are flexible. You can pivot, you can, you can expand, you can retract, you can. Um, meet the needs of your clients and you don't have to just check boxes all day long, which is what government money usually. I love it. We got to leave it there. Unfortunately, we got to cut it short. Jennifer, it just means you got to come back on the program. You and Kay and I got to do another show. We'll talk. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Mason for setting up this introduction. 57 minutes goes like that, gang. It flies by. What I have to tell you is stay tuned to the program. Stay tuned to the network. That is Steve Fry coming up. We talked about him earlier in the show. He's got always Friday, Jeremiah Fox, the entrepreneurial web. Joseph McElroy, Wise Content Creates Wealth. Stay with us. You know how to get in touch with me. A couple of things I need to tell you. Um, nonprofit New York, there's a program going on. I'm involved with that where they're looking to increase the membership for grassroots BIPOC-led organizations. Talk to me about that. Send me a note. Send me an email. I'll put this stuff out there for you. I run the nonprofit roundtables once a month. Don't forget about that. Connect with me, Tommy D. TommyD.NYC on the Instagram. TommyD at Philanthropy and Focus, P-H-O-C-U-S.com is the email address. Jennifer, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Make it a great day. Thanks, Mitch. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 